Balancing Security and Privacy, a look at the Democratic Party platform, and a money-back guarantee on anti-ransomware software. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. The 2016 Democratic Convention in Philadelphia has ended with the first major party presidential nomination of a woman, Hillary Clinton. One of the undercurrents at the convention was cybersecurity, with Republican nominee Donald Trump suggesting the Russians wage a hack against Clinton. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happens. That'll be next. Trump's comments brought strong condemnation from Democratic Party leaders at the convention. Here's former Defense Secretary and CIA Director Leon Panetta. Donald Trump, who wants to be President of the United States, is asking one of our adversaries to engage in hacking or intelligence efforts against the United States of America to affect an election. As someone who was responsible for protecting our nation from cyber attacks, it is inconceivable to me that any presidential candidate would be that irresponsible. The next day, Thursday, Trump said he wasn't being serious about the Russians hacking Clinton. Here's Trump speaking on Fox News. And when I'm being sarcastic with something, first well, of all, they don't sarcastic? even know, of course I'm being sarcastic, but you have 33,000 emails deleted. And the real problem is what was said on those emails from the Democratic National Committee. You take a look at what was said on those emails, it's disgraceful. The brouhaha over Trump's statement wasn't the only cybersecurity matter the Democrats addressed. Conventioneers also approved a party platform that included a plank on cybersecurity and privacy. The Democratic Party platform doesn't offer anything as daring as hackback, the retaliation mechanism found in the Republican Party platform. The Democratic platform promises to protect industry, infrastructure, and government from cyber attacks, as well as seek to establish global norms in cyberspace and impose consequences on those who violate the rules. All this, the platform contends, would be accomplished while protecting American citizens' privacy. The party also endorsed the establishment of a National Commission on Digital Security and Encryption that would bring together technology and public safety to address law enforcement needs while safeguarding privacy. But Democratic Vice Presidential nominee Tim Kaine says balancing security and privacy won't be easy. Kaine didn't address cybersecurity and privacy in his convention address, but in May, at a forum at the Think Tank Center for Strategic and International Studies, he made a discerning point about balancing privacy and security. Simply, over the past decade, our expectations of privacy diminished, and he says if left to Congress, at least for now, security would trump privacy. Most citizens knowingly or unknowingly surrender that privacy every day in the commercial sphere, and there's sort of an issue of how relevant is that repeated surrender to the question of how much privacy vis-a-vis -vis government individuals would be entitled to. So there's all kinds of challenges as you get to trying to decide this issue about the scope of an, a legitimate individual privacy interest. It, but Congress is not the right body to do that. And we would really be benefited by a commission of people that include folks who can remember what it's like to have a private sphere and would also respect the national security interest trying to set that balance. So rather than rush into a solution where we haven't really sussed out the scope of that individual legitimate privacy interest, I would say we should 
get that done and hopefully get it done with some dispatch because I think those recommendations back to us would really help us grapple with it. With each party including cybersecurity in their platforms, with the Clinton email server kerfuffle, and with Trump's hacking comments, the 2016 presidential campaign will be unlike any previous one. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. A major challenge hospitals and other healthcare entities face is matching the right electronic records to the right patients. Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor Marianne Kolbasak-McGee is looking into the problem and she joins me to discuss it. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Eric. How serious of a problem is mismatching electronic records with the right patients? It's a particularly serious problem because as more healthcare entities have adopted electronic health records over the last several years, matching one patient who might have a similar name to somebody else and making sure that the right patient information is going into the right person's record and that the clinicians have access to the right information is is a major problem. Lynn Thomas-Gordon, the Chief Executive Officer of the American Health Information Management Association, discusses some of the safety issues that are involved with this problem. If you're a physician, it's an emergent situation, a patient comes in the door, and you get the wrong information. For instance, you might be taking a medication that is contradicted to another medication, and they give it to you not knowing. You could have a potentially fatal outcome, or what we call a sentinel event. How are most organizations handling matching electronic records? This can be a very resource-draining problem, but not all organizations have really good sorts of processes to handle these issues, and that's where these safety problems can come up. Here's what Thomas Gordon has to say about that. What's scary, though, is about 47% of our members do not have a quality assurance program in place to make sure it doesn't happen on an ongoing basis. So we know there's duplicates out there. We know it causes patient safety issues. And now's the time for a public-private sector initiative to go forward to take care of this issue. What can be done about this? One of the problems with this whole issue is that there has been a long multi-year ban that went into effect in the late 90s by Congress prohibiting the Department of Health and Human Services from developing any sort of unique patient ID that could be used for each patient, sort of like a social security number. But with that in place, private sector technology companies are beginning to tackle this issue. But because the Department of Health and Human Services, through its Medicare and the Medicare program is such a big payer for health care, they really need to be involved. So the House Committee on Appropriations recently drafted some guidance as part of a funding bill that would potentially allow HHS to at least provide some technical assistance to private industry on this matter. Will this bill progress through Congress? Well, that's sort of the big question here. Congress doesn't seem to be able to agree on anything. Who knows if this proposal will be approved by the full House and then also accepted by the Senate. We'll see. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Eric. Finally, a new front in the battle against ransomware. An endpoint protection provider is putting cash behind its product to detect and block recent ransomware variants. ISMG's security and technology editor, Jeremy Kirk, tells us more. Ransomware is a top-level concern for organizations. The file-encrypting malware can mean a full stop for an organization and agonizing decisions over whether to pay. And if your antivirus software misses an attack, that software vendor doesn't bear any responsibility. 
But the endpoint protection vendor Sentinel-1 is trying to boost confidence in its product by offering a guarantee. The company says it will pay the cost of the ransom, up to $1,000 per computer, up to a million dollars total, for an infection. Bear in mind that the company isn't saying they'll pay if you're infected, but that they will pay if they can't clean it up. Still, it's an offer that stands alone. Jeremiah Grossman, chief of security strategy at Sentinel-1, pioneered a similar program at his previous company, White Hat Security. He says the security software industry is unique in that vendors don't have any liability when a product fails. And uh, it's just kind of weird that we, as an industry, we sell products and services to customers. And then when the products don't perform and they get hacked and everybody's getting hacked, that the, that the security vendors suffer no liability on this, that they are, our interests aren't in alignment with the customers. There are many conditions that customers must adhere to for the guarantee. For example, organizations must have Windows Shadow Copy Service enabled, which takes regular snapshots and allows computers to be rolled back to a clean state. Sentinel-1's product also must be configured according to a list of requirements. It's worth noting that Sentinel-1 will reimburse companies for the cost of the ransom, but that money also doesn't come up front. The guarantee isn't free either. Organizations will pay an additional 5 to 10% per seat fee for the guarantee. Still, it's a program that could be attractive, sort of like a mini cyber insurance policy. Grossman said he hopes it will drive more confidence of buyers in the security industry. I think one of the best way to, to turn it around and to bring interest in alignment and get better products out there instead of just snake oil is a guarantee. So that's a big one for me that I think security vendors should stand by the marketing claims of their products. I'm Jeremy Kirk with Information Security Media Group. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.